research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hi, I'm Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down, where we relentlessly expose cronyism, corruption, and the abuse of power in Washington, D.C. Uh, joined, as always, by Eric Eggers. He's the co-author, the co-pilot of this podcast. He's the vice president here at the Government Accountability Institute and an author in his own right. There's a slight chill in the air, and I'm enjoying it. Are you really? And, I am. And that's because, uh, like, many of your friendships have weakened and worsened, so you're <laughs> receiving negative <laughs> emotional energy from people? No, I didn't or? mean it figuratively. Oh. I, I meant it literally because of the time of year. Oh, because it's uh, officially October. That's right. It's officially October. And you know what that means? Uh, what? It means everyone pretends to like pumpkin as a flavor. <laughs> I mean, think about it. If pumpkin was legitimately enjoyable flavor, wouldn't it exist in months that are not just October? It would. It would. I've never been a pumpkin fan. I don't even like pumpkin pie. Right. No. So, but, uh, but in addition to it being pumpkin season, it's also election season. We're it a is. month away from elections and get ready for this one. Just like your pumpkin latte, things are about to get spicy. <laughs> they are. We all anticipate it's going to be a tight run thing, meaning it's going to be very close election. And we wanted to talk today a little bit about uh, some of the remarkable stories that are coming out about voter fraud. Uh, Eric, of course, wrote a terrific book called Fraud in 2018 that predicted a lot of the controversy we were going to see in 2020. But there's some, been some amazing news involving fro voter fraud coming out uh, from states across the country. So we wanted to talk about that today, walk you through some of the things that are going on and some of the things we should be looking for on election day and what expected to be, I think, a very close election from Arizona to Pennsylvania, possibly even here in Florida. Yeah, and I think part of the controversy is going to be the fact that you've got obviously the 2020 election hangs in the background and you've got a lot of people that have very different takes on it. Of course, yes. you've got the, the media saying, oh, well, you know, there's no evidence of widespread fraud. Or there's no evidence that the election was anything but the most safe and secure election ever conducted in the history of American uh, democracy. But you've got people running for office that very much disagree with that. A, a, an analysis by Nate Silver's 538 found 201 people who are the Republican nominees who overly deny the results of the 2020 election. Wow. And another another 62 have raised questions. And that's out of like 550 candidates in general. They said 60% of America has a chance to vote for somebody that denies the results of the election in 2020. And, you know, that's just an interesting context and we'll give some specific examples of that but then when you look at the things that have happened recently right. including right. in pennsylvania a guy just got arrested and sentenced to 30 months in prison for literally conducting election fraud so it's just interesting like yeah that so that's kind of troubling and it could potentially mean some very weird things specifically in arizona but what's also true is people are still being caught for things including republicans but the guy in pennsylvania i think is my favorite yeah this is uh, i want you to give sort of an in-depth of this story not because it happened just happened in pennsylvania but it's sort of emblematic of the larger problem. This is a guy, Ozzie Myers, 
a Pennsylvania Democrat who just pleaded guilty to conspiracy to deprive voters of their civil rights, bribery, obstruction of justice, falsification of voting records, conspiring to illegally vote in a federal election, and orchestrating schemes to fraudulently stuff ballot boxes for specific Democratic candidates in Pennsylvania in elections held between 2014 and 2018. Tell me about this guy. And he had accomplices that were working with him at the same time. This was not just one dude. This was widespread. This this one dude is a former member of Congress, like from 1979 to 1980, he served in Congress. Uh, he actually got caught up in the ab scam <laughs> scandal, which I, I only know about that from the movie American Hustle, which is excellent. Yes. But uh, yeah, was one of the members of Congress to be caught by the FBI on video collecting bribes. Yeah. He, he was given, I think, an envelope of $50,000 and the undercover FBI agent says, hey, spend it wisely and he just it was pleasure <laughs> <laughs> yeah and this is this was an amazing episode in american political corruption it was the fbi were posing as basically guys from the middle east yeah. saudis kuwaitis you're not probably supposed to call it ab scam in fact because <laughs> right. it stands for arab scam yeah, yeah, that's exactly right I know. but they they were going around to american politicians just offering them cash payments <laughs> uh and and you know it was not subtle it was it was very blunt and ozzy myers Pleasure with pleasure uh, took the fifty thousand dollar cash. He went to jail for that. After he went to jail, what did he do? Well, after he went to jail, he started up a consulting firm, a political <laughs> consulting firm. After he gets out of prison, so now he's back in prison again. The right. only thing I just want to after he got caught, but before he went to prison the first time, this is just great. He goes to the house floor. This just tells you where this guy's mindset is. He right. goes to the house floor uh, and says, "Because the house is voting, getting ready to vote to expel him." Right, and uh, he says, "Listen." When you push the yay button on the voting machine, this is a quote, it will have the same effect as hitting the button on the electric chair. That, <laughs> that was his quote on the House floor. Unmoved, the House still voted 376 to 30 to expel him. So this is, the, he became the first guy to ever be expelled since the Civil War. Yeah. So this is who this guy is. So he goes to prison, comes back, starts a political consulting. By, by the way, I just want to say there were 30 members of Congress that did not want to expel the guy, even though he no. took a $50,000 cash bribe on video from the FBI. <laughs> right. They're like, Come on, it's Ozzy, guys. <laughs> That's so Oz. Right. Uh, so yeah, he comes out. And so now he's working with a judge of elections in Philadelphia who ran the ward and precincts in her thing. And so okay. this is how wild it was. So it, not just her, there was a couple other actual election officials involved. And so what the judge would do is she would hire people that were her close associates to then man the, like, be in charge of the vote counting machines, right? Okay. So like she had her people in place to count the votes. And so he told uh, the court that on most election days, he'd drive the judge to the polling station, open up the polls. And then he'd tell them on the drive, like, okay, these are the candidates I'm supporting. These are the candidates who have hired me as a political consulting, <laughs> Ozzy, Ozzy Myers, political candidate extraordinaire. Unbelievable. Uh, and so like, these are the ones that need help. And so then the judge would cast fraudulent votes in support of his preferred candidates. And and so they'd sort of kind of calibrate it. And then here's the other thing too, because the last time we talked about this, we talked about how in Pennsylvania, they refused to open up the absentee ballots until election day, right? right? Right, But actually that sort of makes sense now because part of what they admitted to here, and again, this just happened last week, is based on the vote totals, then they would be able to, so they kind of be able to monitor in real time right. to know who was getting ahead. And so who needed more fraudulent votes cast, who didn't <laughs> need as many cats. So it's like a horse race. They saw, they saw which horse was ahead, who was behind. If my guy's behind, let's give him a boost. And this is the key is, so she would vote on the judge would cast ballots on behalf of voters that she knew wasn't going to show up. And they'd also register fraudulent voters. So they have like kind of this padding in there. Yeah. And so, and this 
just speaks to the, like the larger trend of we, we always like, where does election integrity start and stop? And to me, it's just all about voter rolls, right? If you if you can make sure that the only the people that are on the voter rolls are people that should be voting, right? Then that's how you stop a lot of fraud because they're so easily exploited. In the city of New York, a few years ago, they did an undercover investigation. They identified sixty three people that were were on the voter rolls that shouldn't be, and they went to try to attempt to cast ballots on their behalf. They were successful 61 of the time. So like yeah. when you have voter roll bloat, it's so easily exploited. And this is an example of an actual judge in Pennsylvania exploiting it. And, uh, you know, they just got caught. Yeah. So reporting on this uh, indicates that after receiving payments ranging between 300 to $5,000 per election uh, from uh, our friend Ozzie Myers, uh, DeMuro, the judge, added fraudulent votes on the voting machines, also known as ringing up votes. They even have <laughs> a name for this for Myers's clients and preferred candidates, thereby diluting the value of ballots cast by actual voters. So this is outright election fraud taking place. And I think what's interesting about this story is. Yes, you can look at it and say, oh, it's just a little area of Pennsylvania, but we have no idea how much this is actually going on elsewhere. And let's remember, we're going to have very close voting on some very important races, the Senate race in Pennsylvania, the Senate race in Arizona, other races around the country are probably going to be close. So if you've got this activity going on at the local level, numerous places, it could actually swing an election. Well, two things to remember. Number one, this is actually the second elections judge in Philadelphia to be arrested for <laughs> election fraud. Just in the Philadelphia in, area. In the last couple of years. And that's when, so this famous stat that came out in the 2012 election with Mitt Romney versus Barack Obama, yep. there was something like 88 precincts in which Mitt Romney got zero votes, like zero. Yeah. And they say, hey, it's Philadelphia. It's an urban area. People love Barack Obama. Maybe it's not that crazy. But even statistically, like that's impossible. Yeah, it is. And yeah. so it just shows you when you got election judges being arrested, multiple election judges being arrested for election fraud, and you get results that kind of look a little scammy. Uh, it, it's not wrong to be among the people who are running. It's like, hey, I think it's right to have questions. Yeah, no, right? it is. And this is the problem. I think when voting fraud gets discussed, people want to look at the big thing that's going on. Remember, there was the, the, the I would argue, myth that the uh, machines were actually being manipulated, right? right? Um, the so Dominion it, machines. Yeah, people right. want to have like one simple explanation. It's not simple. Fraud is complex. It's organized and complex. Uh, and this is the sort of ground level corruption that is such a problem. But it's not just in Pennsylvania. It also was happening in New York. And in this particular case, in the first case, of course, it was a former Democrat member of Congress. He had Democrat clients. Actually, in New York, it was a Republican member of the Board of Elections, a commissioner in one of the counties uh, that was charged and uh, has been arraigned on issues of voter fraud. Tell us about Jason Schofeld and what he was doing. Uh, his friends call him Jay Money. No, that's not true, but <laughs> it might be true. Uh, yeah, but he was, so it was a Republican Board of Elections commissioner. So this guy in charge of helping to get out the vote and other Republican efforts, uh, 42 years old. And basically he admitted to illegally registering for lots of different fraudulent identities. Like, so he'd make up extra voters that, ah. that were all him. Right. So, I mean, I guess it's defensible if you have multiple personality disorder. But <laughs> right. right. <laughs> it's a mental, it's a mental, it's a mental health issue. Yeah. 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 Um, and then so he would basically, but created enough of a roster that then he could then use those additional identities to cast ballots and uh, swing things on his behalf. Right. So um, 
from May through October 2021. He applied for absentee ballots in the name of people who either had no interest in voting, did not request ballots, uh, and did not know he was using their personal information. So, I mean, that's like the move, right? You want to try to create as much voter roll bloat as possible. And then you have access to like, these are the names that we know exist, and then we can control these people without even knowing, which further speaks to why the manner and like, this is an ongoing thing. He didn't just invent this, right? Right. Uh, In May of 2020, New Jersey, I think, remember, we talked about this before, had its first ever all-male election. And then in July, people were arrested for going around and stealing the ballots out of the mailboxes, right? Right. Right. I mean, so the more you create all these absentee ballots or mail-in ballots, like that's another way in which the irregularities or the vulnerabilities in the system are exploited and people whose job it is to exploit them. This is a point you make again and again in your book and in the research we've done at GAI that you have led up, which is it's the integrity of the ballot. The more hands that are able to control a ballot before it's actually counted, there's a separate question of making sure votes are actually counted. But who actually controls the ballot? Uh, We've talked about ballot harvesting, right, where people go around and collect them. In this particular case in New York, it's a guy that's actually creating fraudulent ballots, collecting them and He's not showing up in disguise 21 <laughs> Puts times. Puts on a mustache. Right? Yeah, right, exactly. And said, I'm John Juan. No, he's actually mailing in ballots, you know, under one uh, claim or the other. So, I mean, this is the problem uh, that people don't want to address. They focus on the fact that we want to make ballot access as easy as possible. And I get that and understand that. But realize that there are people like this gentleman in New York and, and the, the gentleman in Pennsylvania that are engaging in this kind of fraudulent behavior. And these are the only ones that are caught. Right. I mean, I remember, uh, you know, having friends when their kids were younger and they went and talked to the high school principal about the problem of drugs in their kids' high school. And the high school principal says, we don't have a drug problem. Only two kids have been caught using drugs. As if the ones that get caught represent the entirety of drug use in that high school. It's the same thing with voter fraud. You can't say, oh, well, here are just a couple of cases and here's a few more. That's the only voter fraud that's taking place. The problem is, as you pointed out in your book, this is hard to detect, it's hard to prosecute, uh, and it's hard to avoid the same sorts of behaviors being repeated again and again and again. And ironically, while obviously Republicans can commit voter fraud as well, we just talked about this guy in New York. If you yeah. remember the, the the case in which you had the member of Congress from North Carolina, he was a Republican and he, yep. he had people out there doing ballot harvesting, the same people kind of witnessing the signatures, right. uh, which is how they got caught. I mean, so obviously Republicans can do it as well. But so to the extent in which there's a partisan angle to it, I think it's the partisan angle is that the Democrats generally, as you just noted, consistently fight against election integrity improvement. Right. Right. And so what that means is that by definition, they create an environment in which it's easier for illegal votes to be cast. And ironically, what it actually does is it hurts the disenfranchised populations, the vulnerable members of society that the Democrats would say, well, we're the ones out there fighting for them. But in fact, I mean, when illegal immigrants get deported because they vote oftentimes unknowingly because they've been scooped up by Democrat get out the vote machines. Yeah, like in California, if you get a driver's license, you're automatically registered to vote. And there are illegals in California now that can get driver's licenses. So oh. so you're automatically registered. Yeah. And um, and oftentimes people like at the DMV, when you register to vote or when you would get your driver's license, they say, do you want to register to vote? And then 
but the DMV official is not allowed to tell you like <laughs> you can or can't do that. <laughs> right, it gets right. really weird. Yeah. And so that's actually, there's been multiple people who've been sentenced to prison for illegal voting and, or then they get deported because if you're an illegal immigrant, it's like a capital offense. And yeah. so, uh, but it's, if we had tighter laws or just kind of more common sense restrictions, right. then it actually would help keep people from violating the law unwittingly. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got the situation in Pennsylvania, the situation in New York, now we're going to come to Texas. Right. And I have to say, this might be my favorite story. You have a private investigator who holds a guy at gunpoint. The guy uh, is driving an air conditioning parts van. Yep. And this is all allegedly about voter fraud. Tell us about what happened in Texas and why this is important in the broader context of issues related to uh, voter fraud. This is an example of someone who takes election integrity very seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, and th- yeah, so there's a right way, I think, to advocate for uh, election integrity. And then I think there's maybe the wrong way. Right. And this guy uh, hired. So let's just say he hired somebody that did it the wrong way. So right. this is a conservative activist. He's a doctor. His name is Stephen Hutz. And he was uh, recently indicted earlier this year for felony charges because what he did was he ahead of the 2020 election. Right. He, I think he was rightfully concerned about some fraudulent sure. election and integrity issues. So he hired a dozen private investigators, guys wealthy, hires a bunch of, so imagine this, imagine you are somebody that's a a law enforcement official, maybe even a retired law enforcement official in Texas specifically, right? right? In Texas, they just do things a little bit differently. Well, and the question is, he hired these private investigators. Uh Did he actually hire good private investigators? Uh, You know that I have some evidence and I'll present it to you. And then you tell me which conclusion you'd like to draw. So one of the people that he hired is a former Houston police captain named Uh Mark Aguirre, not the Basketball, basketball player, player. Right. presumably not, <laughs> right. but that'd uh, be a great career swing, by the way, <laughs> NBA, Houston, uh, police captain now engaging in this behavior, but yeah, right. it's not. So this guy, Mark Aguirre is doing this undercover investigation. He's like looking for stuff. And I guess he, at some point he becomes convinced that there's this large truck, which looks to be air conditioning repair vehicle, but he's convinced there are many, many illegal ballots in there. Like 750,000. So he, he, he and his partner go and they basically like pull over this truck and then he holds the air conditioning repairman at gunpoint and he instructs his buddy, he said, hey, go look in that truck because I'm convinced there's 750,000 illegal ballots in there. Now they're not cops. These are private detectives private who are pointing a gun right. at a guy. Um, and what do they find behind in the van? They found only air conditioning parts and equipment, unfortunately. Uh-huh. So, uh, so th- that guy, you know, got arrested, and now the person that hired him is being charged with, you know, <laughs> aiding, abetting, kidnapping. I'm just imagine. Can you imagine the repairman, by the way, who was driving this van, comes home to his wife or girlfriend, and like, how was your day? It was different, right? I, I got a gun pulled on me today. <laughs> yeah. Well, it does get hot in Texas. Yeah, I can understand that. Right. So, but that's, and that's a silly story, but then here's why I think things could get potentially like problematic just right. from, a, I mean, think about the confluence of these circumstances and that's a, that's a silly example, but that's a, somebody who's just a private person who's hiring people in Arizona. You actually have three people running for high profile offices who are aggressive election deniers from 2020. I mean, I think it's absolutely correct to raise questions and say, look, we've talked about this, the conditions in which the election was conducted, totally different. I think there were laws that were violated, right? Right. And then some people said, well, if laws were violated, then it was illegal. Right. And so, but then it's like, okay, well, what do you do? Are we really going to change the results of it? And what steps can we put in place ahead of 2024? Right. So just think about this. In Arizona, you've got Carrie Lake, who's the governor. She's running against Katie Hobbs, who is the secretary of state. And she's the one, because she was secretary of state, that had to certify 
that election in 2020. And yeah. she's responsible for making sure that the election laws are enforced in Arizona. And there were lots of questions about how that election was done. Yeah. And, and yeah. you got Blake Masters, who's running for Senate, which that's the best name, right? I mean, Tucker, <laughs> tell me you're a MAGA candidate, <laughs> Blake Masters. And then you've got this guy that's running for Secretary of State. His name is Mark Fincham. So you got three people who are just, hey, man, it was bad. And then they keep having problems. Like in July, they mailed ballots with missing or inaccurate local races. And then in the third largest county in the state, and this is what Carrie Lake was talking about during her primary when she was saying, quote, we outvoted the fraud. They did. The polling places where heavily Republican ran out of ballots within an hour. In the 2020 election. In the, in the, 20, in the 2022 primary. 2022 primary. Yeah. They literally ran out of ballots. Yeah. And so. How does that happen? Well. Some people would say it's a conspiracy yeah. or you did it intentionally as a way right. to suppress turnout, right. which turnout was suppressed in those areas. Yeah. Uh, the other one of the election officials had a different response. He's like, look, we just didn't order enough ballots. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, here, here's the thing. About was, it. it was always a guess. And we didn't guess on the side of making sure we had plenty of ballots. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb here and, 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 and ask, I mean. Is it really that expensive to order another 10,000 ballots? I mean, I, I don't understand why you wouldn't order enough to make sure that you had enough. Right. It's it just, it's, it's crazy to me. And, and again, it sort of begs the question, well, did they run out in any democratic precincts or areas? So I mean, that's a legitimate question, right? Part of the issue is, you know, because of just different precincts and different, uh, like who you are re registered to vote for and where you live and like what you're allowed to vote on. Right. Yeah. So they had 900 different kinds of ballots. Oh. And so you know, like bad ballots, but do they have enough of the right kind? And, but no, right. it's, it's absolutely right. A good question to raise. And I'm just saying like, so that happened in the context of people already raising questions. The guy that's running for secretary of state, he might be my new favorite person of all time. This mm -hmm. guy's a character. He's the state legislator who during his secretary of state debate, right? They're running to be the top elections official mm -hmm. in like, they're the ones who are going to certify the election. During his debate, he referenced the movie 2000 Mules with Dinesh D'Souza. Right. And he was at the January 6th capital you know rally oh wow didn't go in but yeah. so i'm saying this is a guy who's running to be the top elections official uh in the in the state and, of arizona and, and what is how does that race look is he doing well uh he is doing well he's doing really well <laughs> well and this is, this is this is sort of this is sort of indicative i mean the polls are going to switch and they're going to change but this is indicative i think of where this issue is a lot of people are concerned about ballot integrity. They're concerned about elections being done fairly. Yeah. Uh, and it's clearly animated a lot of voters. So what happens if the election in Arizona and elsewhere, what happens if they end up kind of being a mess? I mean, we get, you know, an election won by 1100 votes, which sounds like a small amount is a small amount in the context of the kind of voter fraud we've been discussing. It's not that hard to swing for an individual to swing 1500 votes by using some of the techniques we've been discussing here. Earlier. Well, think about this. And we I do talk about this in, in my book, by the way, the, the guy that Mark Fincham, he's running against the Democrat candidate yeah. for secretary of state is yeah. like on the opposite end of the spectrum. He had to be stopped from illegally sending ballots to everybody during COVID. He wanted to send, mail everybody oh, a ballot, whether see. they requested yeah. one. And his, the restraining order said, quote, sending out unauthorized ballots will create voter confusion on the eve of the election could result in voters attempting to vote ballots are not lawfully authorized. So like they're saying, no, like what you want to do will make the problem worse, but he was going to go out and do it anyway. So it's, I mean, for these guys to be arguing about like, he's way liberal. The other guy's very conservative, but in the state of Florida, we identified, I think it was 
2,100 people that cast a, a ballot in the state of Florida and then cast a second ballot in a different state. Right. And that was in the 2016 election. So just, I mean, that's 2,000 illegal ballots. And and remember, the twenty the 2,000 presidential election in Florida was settled by fewer votes than that. 537. Or exactly. Right. Exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's very important when you talk about margins being closed. What's also interesting to me is, <laughs> you know, I've been watching politics for, you know, 20 something years, probably have as well. Do you ever really remember there being any interest in the secretary of state election in most i mean it, it it was a it was generally considered a backwater up until the last you know couple of decades where elections have become closer and issues of ballot integrity have become front and center these are very very important races uh you know i understand people look at the governor they look at the senate and house elections people ought to be paying attention to offices like the uh, local elections official, if that's an elected position, and the secretary of state, because that has a huge effect on ballot integrity. I know, by the way, um, George Soros has made no qualms about the fact that he funded something called the secretary of state project, like they intentionally invested in putting candidates up for office in those races because it wasn't generally very popular. There wasn't a lot of interest there. And so some money would make a big difference. And then what they did is when you get elections officials in place like that, then they create the rules for how we're going to conduct elections. Jocelyn Benson, the secretary of state in Michigan, was one of the people elected with support from the secretary of state project. And that's why people raised questions, I think, correctly about some of the things they did in 2020. So that's what, you know, the pay- so you got kind of leaning election officials, kind of pro-Democrat voter outreach efforts and loose rules. And I think that's why people have concerns. They do. And look, it's legitimate to have concerns. My concern on this issue is that there are some people on the conservative side who are starting to do what the left has been doing with the issue of race, right? Um, what you hear is all the time, people on the left, everything is about racism. Everything is about a racist. Anybody who has a point of view that's different than theirs, they accuse of racism. And it's gotten to the point where I think a lot of people, not just political opposites, conservatives, sort of roll their eyes. I think generally independents roll their eyes because this has become the go-to play of the left. And the reason is, if you consider everything to be an act of racism, uh, then really nothing is. And when there are actual instances of racism that do occur and they still do occur uh people dismiss it because it's been in effect dumbed down because the term gets thrown around so much my fear is that conservatives are doing the same thing when it comes to election fraud it is a real issue there should be real concerns about election integrity but you can't have it that every time a a a guy or or girl candidate loses narrowly that they immediately trot out its voter fraud, just like somebody on the left trots out and says whatever something happens they don't like, it's racism. You can't do that because what's going to happen is people are going to start rolling their eyes to legitimate instances of voter fraud. Um, and this is an issue. We had a candidate in Arizona for governor who has already declared right <laughs> that if she loses, right. it's ipso facto voter fraud. That's the only reason she loses. And that to me is just not a defensible position. Ironically, voter fraud's arguably easier to commit because any effort to try to make elections more secure are met with charges of racism. Exactly. So I think it's actually a really important uh, point to make. Remember what happened in Georgia, right? Georgia passed an election integrity law. And one of the things that they did was like, hey, 
you know, we're trying to make it so that you we're trying to return back to a politically stable environment. We want people to cast ballots away from the influence of political operatives. And so that's why they said, hey, you can't have election workers uh, within 500 feet or have within so many feet of the polling place. And you can't give them bottles of water because bottles of water might have political language on it, that kind of stuff. Right. Right. They said, oh, that's racist. Right. And they moved the dang all-star game for the baseball right. out of it. Right? right. Because it was so racist. Exactly. And you, by the way, just had in Georgia recently, uh, Stacey Abrams's campaign or her, her uh, activist organizations challenged jo- Georgia's voter laws on the grounds that have violated uh, the Voting Rights Act. I think it was last Friday. Yeah. A federal judge said, no, the Georgia laws are constitutional. They are consistent with federal law. The judge in this case, by the way, was a Barack Obama appointee. So this was a big defeat uh, for Stacey Abrams. And again, another example of where there's this overreach, because, of course, the claim was that these laws were, quote unquote, racist. It's just nice as a Floridian to be like, look, we got our stuff together, you know, <laughs> after the hanging chads yeah. and, and everything else. That's exactly right. Well, final thoughts. What would you tell people as they're approaching the election Move away from the noise of voter fraud or move away from the allegations that that requiring a photo ID is somehow racist. What's your advice to people when they're looking at local elections to determine to the extent that they can whether they should be concerned about election results locally or not? No, I think that's I think the two things you said are exactly the right things, right? Like, yeah, requiring ID is not racist. And sometimes, yeah, not enough ballots in a polling place. It might be an intentional effort to express it. But, you know, I, so I was told this quote not that long ago, and I, I really like it. It's like, never mistake uh, incompetence with conspiracy. <laughs> right. That's true. <laughs> but I think when it comes to elections, a lot of times, it, you know, you might have a little bit of both. And so I think yeah. it's just, yeah, be wise, be discerning, look for what's the actual claim. And I think, you know, we, we gave examples of the Pennsylvania and New York. I mean, there's plenty of legitimate, specific information out there about people committing election fraud. And then there's people that talk about it in less specific ways. And I think it's just helpful to know the difference. Well, that's right. So uh, Ozzie Myers, our friend from Pennsylvania, who is engaged in uh, the voter scheme there and is going to jail. Uh, as you mentioned, he was wrapped up in the ab scam dealings. Yep. He was given $50,000. This guy needs his own movie. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's going to write his memoir, I'm sure. Uh, but he's when he was given the $50,000 from the undercover FBI agent in the bribery case and told to spend it. He said, with pleasure, it is with pleasure that we do this podcast uh, and we enjoy and appreciate our audience participation and feedback uh, to us. Thank you so much for listening. You can find the podcast at thedrilldown.com and other fine venues. And it's going to be an interesting next 30 days as we prepare for these midterm elections and see what the results are. Eric, I know you'll be watching and uh, we will, I'm sure, be talking to our audience about this issue further. I'm still impressed with the way you brought it all home with the pleasure line. Like, that, <laughs> tell me you're a professional broadcaster without telling me you're a professional broadcaster. I just want everybody to appreciate what you did. That was great. Well, I was inspired by Ozzy. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.